0: This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment.
1: What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Widmer here, and you might be thinking, well, guy, if you're on podcast services around the world, nothing has changed. It just sounds a little bit different um, because the audio quality But if you're on YouTube, you're like, whoa, Ricky, this is an individual video. I'm only seeing you. There's kind of some weird board things that people think in the comment section are doors um, behind you. Do not fret. Still the onside kick. I am still joined by the one and only the Mark Webber. And Mark, his car actually froze in the driveway. Freezing rain here in Chicago is fun. Um, So, Mark is calling from his beautiful abode, Um, and I'm here in the studio all alone, but still here in front of the camera for you guys. we got a jam-packed show. Going to be looking at free agency, kind of previewing that, predicting where some of the big free agents may go. We're actually going to also take a look at the AAF and give kind of our first impressions and see how long this league is going to last. Does it have any standing power two last past, maybe a first season or a second season. And then we're going to end with one of the hottest stories in the league. Kareem Hunt did find a team. He will now be a Cleveland Brown and be joining the Browns for the 2019 season. Before we get into everything, though, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. That's how you can help support the show, but also on top of it, It's how we're able to do this for you each and every week. So go and check out patreon.com backslash Podcast. We can't do what we do without the help of our wonderful patrons. But, Mark, let's jump into some free agency. And we're kind of just going to go through a whole slew of guys that are either going to be signable by teams. They're going to be tradable to teams and kind of give our predictions, kind of see where they are going to go. We're going to start. I know I emailed you kind of some bullet points of some guys. I'm going to switch the first two. I'm going to throw you a nice, easy softball to start. The easiest one, Nick Foles. Where is he going in your mind?
2: Yeah, not, excuse me, not too much has changed for me when it comes to Nick Foles. I still think that he is the guy who goes to a team that is ready quarterback away one player away from making a shot and the team that we saw that was one player away specifically one quarterback away from being able to do that just two seasons ago as Jacksonville Jaguars make too much sense it's too perfect they got to do whatever it takes go trade for him get Nick Foles he's a much better upgrade from uh, Blake Bortles you can actually take your shot in this case.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I throw it up because I knew this was going to be the one out of any of them that both you and I were going to be the same with. To me, this is a Jacksonville Jaguars situation all over it where they're a team that has the defense and they are a team that's like, hey, we were just in the AFC Championship game. We have a bad Blake Bortles season and look at where we at in the top 10 of the NFL draft. This is one where... If I'm them, I've got two guys on the mind. I've got Nick Foles, I've got Joe Flacco. And out of the two, which one is more attractive to me, that would be Nick Foles and I just wanted to throw it out there cuz I knew both you and I were going to say the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's get into the real ones now. And there's two quarterbacks that we have on the list. One's tradable, one's going to be a free agent. I'll let you pick whichever one you want to start with, because in my mind they're so interchangeable with teams they can go to. Give me what you're thinking, either Joe Flacco or Tyrod Taylor, this free agent period.
2: Well, I'd rather start with uh, Joe Flacco, because I actually think Joe Flacco and Tyrod are are probably in two different categories. Okay. Um, To me, Joe Flacco is a guy where nobody's going to – I don't think, at least. I I don't think anyone's going to sign Joe Flacco and expect him to sit on the bench. If you're signing Joe Flacco, you're going to expect him to play. Might not be the whole season. You know, maybe you get some rookie, a Daniel Jones, a Drew Locke, something like that. One of those next-tier quarterbacks. Maybe you get one of those guys and you expect that maybe later on in the season they might be ready. You know, like Lamar Jackson. Uh, how he was ready to take over Joe Flacco's job. Um, but I think that's the case for, for Joe Flacco. He's gotta go somewhere where he's actually gonna probably play. Uh, so for me, when I'm looking at that, I'm looking for teams that can't afford to go draft somebody early. Uh, and one of those teams to me is gonna be the Washington Redskins. I don't think they really can afford to use the draft capital in that case. They're probably not going to be able to make a trade uh, for, like, a Nick Foles because they're in the division. So the next best guy they can make a trade for is going to be Joe Flacco. Um, you know, there's a pretty good comparison between an Alex Smith and Joe Flacco as well. I mean, those two, even though they're slightly different kind of quarterbacks, they both can do a lot of the same things. And they're both kind of same caliber, so I do think that that would be a pretty fair trade. And then the other thing you got to think about—the big issue for the Washington Redskins—injury.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not really concerned with last year being kind of the exception here. I'm not really that concerned about Joe Flacco getting hurt. Joe Flacco's usually a healthy guy. He'll be—he'll be there playing for you when you need him, and they. They don't really have too much capital to move around. They're not going to be able to trade up to – I mean, I guess they could trade a lot, but they're probably not going to trade up to the top of the draft to get a Dwayne Haskins, uh, a Kyler Murray or something like that. They're going to be kind of stuck with whoever's left. And in that case, you're going to be reaching for one of those next caliber guys. Go get yourself a Joe Flacco. Yeah, and uh, He'll be able to play.
1: And the thing that I really like that you kind of brought up, and this is where I feel like Joe Flacco, and and this is why with me, the only thing I kind of differentiate is I agree with you that Tyrod and Joe Flacco might be a little different, um, but both of them could be in a similar scenario. With Joe Flacco, I think you're right. It's a team like, I'm looking at two. I'm looking at either the Denver Broncos or I'm looking at the Washington Redskins. And right now, early on, of course, I'm going to give you guys one team that I think is going to sign him. But, like, the thing that I think with Joe Flacco and the reason why I'm saying the Broncos or the Redskins is you hit the nail on the head with the Redskins. They are a team that was cooking with fire with Alex Smith. They were on a roll, probably going to win the NFC East, were probably going to be a playoff team He breaks his legs their whole season, or breaks his leg their whole season, goes up in flames. And then you have Denver, where with Vic Fangio coming in and bringing in a new offensive coordinator, what kind of Bronco team are we going to see? Are we going to see a Bronco team that takes a stab at a quarterback in the draft and says, you know what, they're going to sit behind Case Keenum. And we're not going to press this season because the future is in the we're looking at the future. This isn't a season where we're going to go out and try to like gun ho and win it. Or are they going to say, you know what, we got Vic Fangio. This defense is still cooking. We got some guys we can't afford to let their like another year of their prime, another year of their talent go to waste. Let's go get a veteran quarterback. And let's get it done. And I think if it's via via of a trade, I think he goes to the Redskins. If it's via a signing, because the Ravens could also cut Joe Flacco and then allow him just to sign wherever he's not, I'm going to be bold and say he ends up in Denver. And the reason why I say that is because... I kind of have a weird feeling that John Elway is just going to be sitting there and he's going to be going, you know, I tried this drafting a quarterback thing and letting him sit under a guy and I got burned, basically Paxton Lynch. Joe Flacco is out there. He's a veteran. He can help us win. As long as he comes in, doesn't turn over the football and kind of does what he has to do on the offensive side and doesn't, like I said, turn over the football, we can win some games with this defense, that's why I'm kind of thinking Denver, but that's also because my Tyrod Taylor prediction is going to play into that as well. I will ask you then, moving on into Tyrod, where do you think he is going to go?
2: So, to me, Tyrod, uh, as much as he's going to want to be a clear cut starter, I don't necessarily know that the NFL is going to really give him that chance. You think about where he's been. For, for Buffalo, that organization hated it. They wanted to take that job. They mentioned mm-hmm. him for, for Peterman. I mean, that's a joke. So you have that. You have him going playing for the Browns. What do the Browns do? Number one overall draft quarterback. Tyrod is barely playing before it's time for Baker Mayfield to come in and play. I don't think that there's going to be that much different. I think one of these teams who probably not going to be that team who's like the first, you know, sure thing. We are drafting this quarterback no matter mm-hmm. what. They're probably not going to get a tie rod. There's just no reason for it. But one of these teams that, you know, maybe they're not the New York Giants. So they can't be that kind of sure thing. They're first up to get that quarterback right now. A team like the Miami Dolphins. If they do get rid of Ryan Tannehill. They need a quarterback. Tyrod Taylor can win you some games. He's not going to win you into the playoffs, probably, because the reason why Buffalo was able to get into the playoffs was because of the defense. Mm-hmm. But he's going to not lose you games, which is useful, because it's the NFL. We don't, we don't truly tank in the NFL unless you're John Gruden.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and even so, in that case, Really do it effectively, uh, as effectively as he could. So to me, Tyrod Taylor is going to be this guy who's going to go to a team that will probably draft a quarterback. That quarterback is probably going to play, but it's not a guarantee. So we want a sure thing. You know, it's the Mike Glennon to Mitchell Trubisky. You know, it's having that Russell Wilson, Matt Flynn combination where Matt Flynn was supposed to be the starter. Russell Wilson just came in and took it. Derek Carr and Matt Flynn, you know, like that type of a situation Mm -hmm. where these guys are there just in case plan A doesn't work out or doesn't work out immediately. But we're not expecting to need your services for that long. And Tyrod Taylor is that perfect guy who can be that kind of uh, holding everything in place. He's the perfect guy to mentor a young quarterback. I mean, he... He's the kind of guy who he's humble. You know, he's got the, he he, the uh, he he knows how to be a team player is really what the big thing is. And he's proved that time and time again. So if a team asks him to do that, I don't think he's going to have an issue doing it.
1: See, and that's why, like I said with Joe Flacco, I'm going to say the same thing with Tyrod, and this is why I put him in the same boat is it's either going to be one of them's going to go to Denver. The other one's going to go to the Redskins in my mind. And, Since I had Joe Flacco go with Denver, that means I got to have Tyrod go with the Redskins. And I feel like Tyrod, his exact kind of journey is kind of what you said. It's exactly what the Browns did. Oh, we got you. Well, we also drafted this kid as well. Like the Reds, let's say it's the Redskins, like I said, they signed Tyrod, and then, oh, we're going to take like Drew Locke, Daniel Jones with the 15th pick, or oh, we're going to take a Will Greer or a Locker Jones if they fall far enough in the second round with their 46th pick. And if Tyrod goes to Denver, I think Denver does the same thing. Oh, we have Tyrod. Let's go ahead and draft a quarterback as well because their second rounder is a little bit higher than Washington's. The one thing I'll say, though, about the quarterbacks, and I didn't throw these guys on the list because I feel like they are... These guys that we just mentioned to me are like the prime guys. And the reason why I say prime, you might be saying, Ricky, Tyrod Taylor, prime guy. Um, It's Nick Foles. It's Joe Flacco. Then I would say Tyrod is kind of that tier between, okay, the top tier and then the lower because you still got Ryan Tannehill out there. You still got a Teddy Bridgewater um, who could technically not resign with the Saints, but I mean, I just expect him to stay in New Orleans um, because he, what, hasn't started a game since 2016, 2017, or he's only started one game since 2017. So, I mean, he's a unique case. Ryan Tannehill is looking for a redemption story. So, I mean, they could throw their names into the pot to try to mix anything up. I will just ask you before I move on into running backs, Do you expect Tannehill or Teddy Bridgewater to throw a huge wrench into quarterback-free agency?
2: Teddy Bridgewater, no. Um, Ryan Tannehill could. There's potential there. If there's a a coach out there that really believes they can get more out of Ryan Tannehill. And if there's somebody like that, it's going to be someone who's bold like a John Elway.
1: All right, let's move on into running backs. The first one we'll look at is... We'll stick with the Teddy Bridgewater theme um, and stick with the New Orleans Saints. I am just going to say right here, there are teams I could see going after Mark Ingram. I don't see him going anywhere. I see him staying pat. Like It's going to be one of those things where he's going to listen to offers, see what's out there. After a while, he's going to go, hey, I like it here in New Orleans. We should have been in the Super Bowl last year. Drew's coming back. I got Camara with me. I'm going to re-sign with New Orleans. Is there any way or any way another team signs him or are you in my camp of like, nope, Mark Ingram, he's going to stay in New
2: Orleans? No, I, I agree with you. I I think there's no way you could leave. I mean, your team was a play away from the conference championship
0: mm-hmm. game and then a play
2: away from the Super Bowl the next year. And you're not losing very much. So stick with it. Just go get yourself a short deal so you can get paid next time.
1: Yeah, and I think that out of the teams that I'm kind of looking at right now, um, this article, yes, the the Raiders have the most cap capital that they can use. But the one team I will say, if he does sign somewhere else, I could see a team like the Lions kind of throwing a big contract at him to try to get him to kind of sway over, but I think he stays with the Saints. How about the interesting one? We've talked about him quite a bit. He didn't get traded from the Steelers. Does Le'Veon Bell, or actually just where does Le'Veon Bell go in 2019, Mark?
2: Yeah, Le'Veon Bell, to me, this is going to be one of the most interesting. I mean, honestly— Him and his buddy Antonio Brown are going to be fascinating. Both obviously want to be somewhere else. To me, the team to watch, and you brought them up, it's the Raiders. They've got everything they need to make a shot towards, honestly, either one of them. But specifically at the moment, Le'Veon Bell. I fully expect them to try and make a splash because you got to think about it. John Gruden, what was his first year? Getting rid of everything. Being a laughing stock.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The man's not burying his head in the sand. He knows what's going on and what people are saying about his team. If you go and you make a splash, like a Le'Veon Bell, instantly that changes the dynamic. That changes the conversation. All of a sudden people are saying, hey, maybe the Raiders can do something. You know, Maybe they can compete. Maybe they can win some games. So to me, Le'Veon Bell would be a fantastic uh, thing to go for for the Raiders.
1: See, and for me, I think this is is a Raider thing in general, and I'll just throw this question at you because I was thinking about this before we recorded, and in my mind, it's like, yes, the Raiders have this money. Yes, the Raiders are in, like, you see all these articles for like, ooh, could sign this guy, could sign that guy. But I'm sitting there and I'm just going like, I just don't believe they're going to sign a big free agent unless I, like, actually... Like, basically, I'll believe it when I see it. That's how I feel with the Raiders.
2: I, I just s- wonder how long they can actually wait before they finally do something.
1: kind hmm
2: It's kind of, it's kind of oh, my concern.
1: Yeah, and I just... I feel like with me, it's just... Who's going to be that first guy where it only takes one. Who's going to be that first guy to say, hey, I am going to buy in on John Gruden. I'm going to buy in on what Mike Mayock and this team or what this organization is doing. And I just don't see it happening with me when it comes to Le'Veon. I think there's one option and I was actually going to pull up um, the year that he was with a certain team just to see um, what kind of running backs they had at that time. But I feel like, because you see all the big ones, like the Raiders are in there. You see teams like the Baltimore Ravens, um, the San Francisco 49ers, which they're an interesting one because they have Jarek McKinnon coming off of injury. Like they signed him last year. He got injured in the preseason. We never got to see what he could do in a 49er uniform, but the team I am most interested to see, and I think that he'll end up, he being Le'Veon will sign with this team is I'm going to go ahead and go on a stretch. And I'm going to say that the New York jets are able to reel in Le'Veon bell. And the whole thing that I would sell with Le'Veon if I'm the Jets is you've got a young quarterback. You get to be the focal point of this offense. Back when Adam Gase, like, I know that we can't ignore the Miami Dolphin days, but let's be honest, he would never really had his quarterback there. The last time he had his quarterback was 2015 when he was with Chicago Jay Cutler, I keep bringing it up when I mention Adam Gase. Jay Cutler's best years in Chicago was that year with Adam Gase, and even if you look at Jordan Howard's numbers as the main back in that year, he was an he was a thirteen hundred yard back with six touchdowns, and just to pull up, yeah, he had almost three hundred receiving yards in that offense as well. That is a team that I think is low on people's expectations because, A, it's the Jets, and B, it's they're bringing in Adam Gase, and they've got a rookie quarterback. But I think that could be their biggest selling point is, hey, we've got a quarterback. We've got one that's going to grow. It's not like one that is just, hey, we've got a journeyman, and he's just going to be here. Are the Je- Could the Jets even be a viable option for Le- Le'Veon in your mind?
2: For for Le'Veon, I I don't know. I mean, it, it's interesting to me. It's certainly possible. Would the Steelers be willing to trade to? And I mean, I did say the you know the Raiders were an option. Mm-hmm. But would would the Steelers? Well, I guess it depends on how they do it. If they just cut him, or if they try and franchise tag him and then trade him, it, that's going to depend.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Jets got all the money in the world. They can make it happen um there's you know no problem for them on that case. I think it would be great i mean i I think when you when you think about what would be useful and you think about like a matt forte uh they would probably the jets would probably rather have Melvin Ingram mm-hmm. in that case um and you know you're you're wondering just how much you can sway the man with money uh but yeah I mean certainly the jets would would be a good fit for Le'Veon Bell, because Le'Veon Bell will make any team better, mm-hmm. especially with a young quarterback who needs some help having somebody to throw the ball to. That would be great, because there's a, there's an option for you. I mean, he is such a great receiving back. Uh, that's a whole extra part of the football game that Darnold didn't have as an option.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the last thing before we go on into receivers is Am I, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of too hesitant to just write off the 49ers, even though they have Jerick McKinnon on the roster and coming off of injury? Because like, you look at most teams now, the Saints, you look at the Bears, um, how they got Jordan Howard and um, Cohen. Most of these teams now have two, the Patriots with James White and now Sony Michel. Is it kind of too cautious to say, oh, well, the 49ers, they're not going to sign him because they've already got Jarek McKinnon.
2: I would be surprised if the 49ers did. I mean, I, I get what you're saying with the one-two punch. I mean, that's been a big thing in the NFL for a while. Um, I i don't know. I just That's just one of the ones where I, I don't really see. I think there's a lot of other things that 49ers could invest in and still as much as a few people out there really love Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. We actually see the guy play. I mean, True. And play, in like what I'm saying, for a full time. Uh, I, I'm not willing to say anyone's going to be that excited that
1: one. Well, I bring up the 49ers because I'm kind of pre... I'm doing a little foreshadowing here. Is The first wide receiver we're going to look at is the guy who came out today as we're recording the podcast... On Tuesday, February 12th, he came out and said, you know what? I want to trade. I saw a video on Facebook where somebody didn't just light his jersey on fire with a lighter. They threw it into the furnace or into the fireplace to let it burn. And that is Antonio Brown has officially told the Steelers, I would like a trade. And his time in Pittsburgh is kind of officially coming to an end because the Steelers, of course, can choose not to trade him, but let's be honest, you don't want to keep that ticking time bomb on your team. Once this has happened in my mind, I think the one team, and I know there's going to be a slew of teams that try to trade for Antonio Brown. But if I am Kyle Shanahan, if I am John Lynch, if I am the San Francisco 49ers, I try to do anything in my power to get Antonio Brown on my team because the best thing that you could do for Jimmy Garoppolo, who, let's be honest, some people overhype him. I might be in that category. There are some people that are going to extremely underrate him, and then people in the middle that just hope he can become as great as what the overhypers are saying. I would do anything in my power to get him a prime number one target in Antonio Brown. And everyone says that, oh, Antonio Brown made um, Ben Roethlisberger look good and kind of vice versa as well. We don't really know who made who look better in that kind of relationship. Could Antonio Brown be a 49er or are you going with a different team? Like, no, this team's going to get it done and they're going to lock down A, B.
2: There's a big part of me that doesn't think the Steelers are going to let him go. Yeah, I mean, because they weren't willing to let Le'Veon Bell go. uh, And Le'Veon Bell didn't even play for him last year. And they still uh, were not willing to let him go ever. So there's that part of it. It's a stubborn organization. They want to do what they can do. Um, So there's that. And, And Antonio Brown is such a talent that, to be honest, if you if you lose Antonio Brown, that's a big loss for your team. I mean, that's a huge loss for your team that couldn't even get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh and now you're gonna lose your number one wide receiver, one of your best wide receivers you've had in a long time. Uh that that's pretty huge. But if you can get something, you know, if you can get it past uh the why would we do this stage? Unfortunately for me, I mean, the 49ers, yes, I get it. It makes sense. Uh, The only other real teams I can think of are AFC teams. Mm -hmm. And then you got to ask, are the Steelers going to be willing to trade Antonio Brown to an AFC team? And not like an AFC team like it's the Raiders, where they're not that concerned about the Raiders making a splash. It's going to be teams that need a wide receiver. The Jacksonville Jaguars. If they get a wide receiver like Antonio Brown, there you go. You know, that's a team that is competing for a Super Bowl well, again. Or a team like the Colts. You know, well, if you want to give them that just one additional explosive weapon to that offense, which already started to click, you know, then you're once again at a team that was not that far from uh, competing to get into the Super Bowl.
1: Mm -hmm. And the thing to kind of take into consideration, because I heard this earlier on ESPN, they were saying, well, if you think about it, if the Steelers already like this whole trade for Antonio Brown is not new. Like you and I did a segment way earlier um, before the wake 17 where he set up because of injury, as I use my air quotes. If the Steelers had an offer they couldn't refuse, he would already be traded. Let's just put that on the line. But the thing to take into consideration, and I got this, and I'm reading it right now again from um, Field Yates, who put this on Twitter. He said, Antonio Brown trade reminders. Number one, he's due $2.5 million in a roster bonus on March 17th. If he is traded before March 17th, the Steelers would absorb a dead cap hit of 21.12 million. If he's traded after the 17th, that cap hit becomes a 23.6 million dollar figure. He's also due 12.6 million in 19, 11.3 million in 2020. million in 2021. And he turns 31 this upcoming July on July 10th. He will be a 31 year old receiver. So, all of that is teams got to take that into consideration. He's getting old, he's going to be due a lot of money in the next three years. And then, with the Steelers as well, if you're going to be kind of pinching some pennies here, Do you want to take a bigger dead cap hit for Antonio Brown by trading him after the kind of March 17th soft deadline? Another thing that I saw on Twitter, of course this means nothing coming from a player in the league um, because players aren't the ones that make the trades. It's the GMs um, and so forth. But one of the guys to hit him up was Patrick Peterson from the, Arizona Cardinals, like, hey, man, hit me up, let's start talking. That is what I thought of, like, man, could you imagine if the Cardinals' Cliff Kingsbury comes in, he's got Josh Rosen, they've got Larry Fitzgerald for another year, although Larry Fitzgerald is old in himself, he's still a really good wide receiver. They got Christian Kirk trying to rehab a leg injury from late in the year. If they could get AB, what would that do for their team, but then I think, hey, how about you fix your offensive line um, before you kind of go. But I'm going to say 49ers get it done. They're going to trade for A.B. Did you give a team, or did you say he's going to stay with the Steelers and they're not going to trade him?
2: I'm saying he stays. I don't think the Steelers can let him go.
1: The next one, though, Golden Tate. His contract comes up. The Eagles traded for him. Knowing that he was kind of a rental, they might be able to re-sign him. Where does Golden Tate go this offseason?
2: Golden Tate, to me, is an interesting one. Um, He's going to kind of be the hot commodity for a team that doesn't think they'll get something else. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. It's not a knock on Golden Tate. Golden Tate's a good wide receiver. Uh, Golden Tate is a great wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He did fine in, uh, Detroit. It was surprising that they were willing to get rid of him. Because, you know, he's done a lot of good things for that team. Uh, and he did well, once again, for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, ideally, I think the Eagles would love to keep him. If they could. I don't know how likely that is to happen. Uh, so I do see him kind of moving on to another team. And then I want to look at those teams and say, well, who, who's a team that really could use a wide receiver, mm-hmm. uh, who's got some money, uh, who's probably not going to get one from somewhere else? And a team that kind of pops into my mind is the Cleveland Browns. You know, you think about the Cleveland Browns Ooh. losing Josh Gordon,
0: mm-hmm.
2: having a young quarterback, having a good team having a new offensive system, kind of needing to make that splash to prove that last year after getting rid of Hugh Jackson, it wasn't a flash in a pan, it wasn't a fluke, it's the real thing. And I think that a guy who is as consistent, as stable, as reliable as Golden Tate can be, that is a huge pickup for a team like the Cleveland Browns who now's their time to strike. Mm -hmm. They want people to take them seriously. Golden Tate would be a huge addition for them.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the thing that I'm thinking is with the Browns, like you said, we're going to talk about it later. They had Kareem Hunt. Like this is let's strike while the iron is hot because we had a good, I'm going to say a great season um, with Baker Mayfield rookie year. Let's just get him more and more weapons to try to make that better. I'm actually going to go with a boring prediction, but before I get into it, I've got kind of two teams. In my mind, it comes down to the Patriots and the Ravens, and the reason why I say that is with the Ravens, you look at it, and it goes, all right, we need to get Lamar Jackson some weapons on this team. Like First, we got to make sure he realizes, hey, you don't have to run. Hey, let's take care of the football a little better. But, like, you look at it. Brown is a free agent. He could be leaving this year. They've got Michael Crabtree and Willie Sneed are their top two targets out there. Yeah, they drafted Jordan Lasley, but he's not anything that's going to be a top-wide receiver. Golden Tate could step in and be the number one receiver with Crabtree and Willie Sneed for the Ravens, plus with Mark Andrews, who they really like. They got Hurst and Mark Andrews at the tight end position to help out as well. I just have a weird feeling, though, that Golden Tate's going to be a New England Patriot. And the reason why I say that is Chris Hogan's a free agent. Gronk is kind of up in the air. Like, I don't think he's going to retire, but at the same time, he could. Like, why not? Like, I think he's not going to retire, but there's also a kind of thought in my head That is just like, man, I could see him saying, yeah, I'm going to retire. And then in April, he's at WrestleMania and he's in an event for WWE and he kind of makes that kind of transition in his life. But I just feel Golden Tate is a guy, the Patriots usually don't go out there and get the prime free agent. Like They're not going to go out there and try to get an Antonio Bryant, but Golden Tate is a guy that they could get for a cheaper... Like an eleven million—that's yeah, not really that cheap—an eleven million dollar contract. I'll say, give him a shorter deal, maybe like a one-year or two-year deal. Help out Tom Brady after getting off of a Super Bowl season. And I just have a feeling that Golden Tate might be sitting there going, "Hey, I played for the Lions. I came over to the Eagles. I was really excited to be an Eagle. We didn't see that season end out like I wanted it to because we lost." in the playoffs to the Saints, what a way to kind of like secure playoff success by signing with a team that you're guaranteed to go to the playoffs. You're almost guaranteed to go to the AFC title game. And in recent years, it's almost like a guarantee that you're going to go to the Super Bowl if you sign with the New England Patriots. What do you think about that?
2: I mean, I could could potentially see the Patriots is an option mm-hmm. um, but he he correct me if I'm wrong he did win a Super Bowl in Seattle right he, he was in Seattle when they won theirs I thought
1: let's see he, you're probably right I'm probably glossing over that entire Seattle um, tenure so yes he does have a championship with Seattle I believe
2: so that might be the kind of thing where maybe he's not going to ring chase Necessarily, you know, maybe he is going somewhere, hoping to get paid, or just go somewhere nice. The only other place I could really see as an option for Golden Tate, and you're, uh, and you're right,
1: he uh, was there when they beat the Broncos.
2: Yeah, um, the only other one I can see that would kind of make sense because, you know, this team's got a new offensive mind as well. Mm-hmm. And I say mind instead of coach because <laughs> the real coach, quarterback. Uh, that's Green Bay Packers. They could use a guy like Golden Tate. Golden Tate played in uh, Detroit. Mm It's not that far from Green Bay. Uh, It actually is kind of far from Green Bay, but it's just one (laughs) state over. Uh, He he might feel pretty comfortable. He knows the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions. He knows Mm -hmm. who he's going to face. So he might be kind of confident, kind of comfortable, thinking, all right, I can do this. And there might be a little added bonus to be like, hey, you guys traded me. You thought I wasn't worth it. Let me burn your secondary, you know, and your defensive mastermind of a coach, Matt Patricia. Let me show you why you shouldn't have traded me.
1: Well, and the kind of interesting thing about that is I was reading articles about, it was actually about Le'Veon Bell. And they're even a team that people are throwing out to maybe get Le'Veon. And that is a team that I don't bring up, but they need something around Aaron Rodgers. They need to get something to help him, whether it's a wide receiver. Like, I'll be honest, Randall Cobb is technically a free agent, but I think they're just going to re-sign Randall Cobb and he's going to be a Packer again. It's just, whether it's like even a Golden Tate, whether it's a guy like we're going to talk about in two seconds Tyler Eifert, whether it's a Chris Hogan, whether it's a Le'Veon Bell, even if they don't get Golden Tate, do you think the Packers are going to get some type of weapon to help
2: out A-Rod? Well, I'm sure they're going to get something. I mean, they have to get something. Let's put it this Um, way.
1: A weapon that makes us go, ooh, that could help them.
2: Well, I've mentioned, just as you did, I've mentioned Le'Veon Bell uh, multiple times. Not on this podcast specifically, but Mm -hmm. uh, I've mentioned him as an option for them on our past podcasts. And I definitely think they need to go for something. Uh, and the Packers way is not to make a splash. So historically, no, they don't, but eventually, I mean, you can only do that for so long. You mm-hmm. know, you're in the twilight years, essentially for Aaron Rogers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the world's kind of turning on Aaron Rodgers a little bit. So you got to turn it back. So that way people like him again.
1: Well, let's move on. Let's finish off the offense and then quickly into some big hitters for the defense because there's a few big hitters in free agency on the defensive side. Very quickly, Tyler Eifert, does he get re-signed in Cincy? Does he go somewhere else? If you're even the Bengals, do you want to re-sign Tyler Eifert because he's never completed a full 16-game season and he was just on the IR in 2018?
2: Yeah, I think... If it wasn't for that, I would be very inclined to say he'll probably stick around. Um, Injury concerns, that's kind of the main thing. So I could definitely see that he's going to move somewhere. This is one of the hard ones, I think, to predict. Uh, But, you know, a team that is quite possibly going to need a tight end who – you know, it's okay if he doesn't have the best health in his career because we you know, we interchange our guys so much and we throw the ball all over the place that he's not going to get as many touches. He's not going to get as much attention. That team, to me, I actually think is the New England Patriots. Oh, you took
1: one of mine. You took one too of mine. It makes too much sense. Even, it, even, if, <laughs> even if Gronk doesn't retire? Or is that just a if Gronk retires?
2: I say either way because, I mean, the Bill Belichick method is you can never have too many tight ends. True. uh, But especially if Gronk retires.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tyler Eifert to New England. If Gronk retires, expect it. Just expect Eifert to be a New England Patriot. The other one that I was reading about that would be very interesting is um, I came across this article written by um, Jim Koch on uh, rising or raising Arizona or raising Zona. Uh, for the Arizona Cardinals on fansided. And the article basically says Arizona Cardinals could take a flyer on bad, on brittle veteran. And it basically talks about how, yes, they had like, it says here a rich contract that was handed to current starter, Jermaine Gresham in 2017 has not paid dividends Well, they could maybe throw a cheaper contract at Tyler Eifert, and that might be where Eifert is in his career, where if the Bengals do not want him back, then he's got to look at it and go, hey, am I going to take a cheap contract and go play for a Patriots if they even want him? Because we can throw it out there, but they may think, nope, we don't even need him. Um, Or is it going to be, A team like Miami, a team like Arizona, kind of one of these bottom feeders. It's like, hey, we like what you can be when healthy and we can take a risk on you because there's not really like you don't really have that much competition anywhere else. That is what's going to be interesting to see with Tyler Eifert. But let's move on into some of these defensive players and kind of get this going so we can move on into our other topics. The first one is probably one of the biggest, if not Nadamik and Sue is the biggest, but Ezekiel Anza of the Detroit Lions could be leaving Detroit. Do you think he leaves Detroit? And if so, where's he going?
2: If it wasn't for the fact that, you know, you've got the defensive head coach uh, to try and get you kind of to re energize that team that used to be such a vicious attack, you know? (laughs) If it wasn't for that, uh, I would think that, yeah, he probably does move on, but I don't think they can let him go. I think they have to, you know, dig their claws in and say, nope, you're not going anywhere, because without him, that defense is going to start to fall apart. Uh, And you don't bring in a defensive head coach to then let the defense fall apart. So this is one way I don't think he goes anywhere.
1: Well, I find it funny because uh, one thing that I know we're going to be talking about next week um, when we get our next big board is the Lions GM today. Quinn said, oh, well, we we think about taking a quarterback um, with the eighth overall pick. I'm telling you, if Ansa leaves, you're not taking a quarterback with that eighth overall pick. You're going to be taking a linebacker of some sort. If Ansa leaves, and I think he is going to leave, because let's put it this way, why would you want to stay in Detroit? And that's not my Viking bias coming out and us being against the Lions. It's just really, why would you want to be with the Lions? They're a team that is not, in my mind, near the playoffs right now. Like, they're kind of in that purgatory of, like, they're not going to be good enough for the playoffs, but they're not going to be good enough to be the first overall pick. And I just, I feel like this is a team that's wasting Matthew Stafford's career. is going to be like, I want out. I do think he sticks in the Midwest though. I think he's going to be wearing a different shade of blue and going over to the AFC. Shane O'Mac is going to be happy with me, Mark, because is going to be a Colt. The Colts are going to make a big move this offseason, getting Ansa on their side. We're going to be talking about it. We're going to be going, oh, wow, what does this do for the Colts? It makes their defense even more legit. Chris Ballard, how did you get this one done? And we're probably going to be looking at the Colts as a possible, not just like AFC championship contender, but maybe a Super Bowl contender. By beefing up the defense with Ezekiel Anza.
2: I mean, it would certainly be huge for the Colts if they did. Uh, and, and I agree that for a guy like Anza, he probably doesn't want to stick around uh, in Detroit. But ask Le'Veon Bell how that works out. True. Sometimes you don't get a choice. Sometimes you're tagged and you stay. Well, and uh,
1: franchise tagging is going to come up, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions go, Nope, you're tagged. Exactly. The next one, though, a former Lion lost in the Super Bowl but played great this whole year, especially in the playoffs. What's going through your mind with and Sue? Does he stay in L.A.? Are they going to be able to pay him, or is he just going to be too much and he'll go somewhere else?
2: This is a tough one for me because, I mean, the Rams do have some, some cap space. They've got some money to deal with. Uh, the problem is... You know, you you lost in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's the hard part. Mm -hmm. You built this team to go to the Super Bowl, and they did that. They did everything you wanted them to do. The problem was, and it wasn't the defense. The defense did its job. The problem was the offense. Mm -hmm. The problem was Jared Goff's inexperience and Sean McVay's play calling inexperience as well. That's all it came down to. It came down to the thing that everyone wants to praise them for. So for me, I look at it and I say, You didn't truly get the job done. And if you truly are going to buy into the when Jared Goff is young, we got him on this rookie deal for not very much longer, we need to win a Super Bowl now while we can because pretty soon we're gonna to have to start paying people. Ask Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, how that works out mm-hmm. after you win a Super Bowl had have to start paying people. So they have to know. They have to strike while the iron's hot. The Dominican Sioux is such a deadly weapon out there, paired up with Aaron Donald. I mean, that's terrifying. I think for for them, they got to own it up, whatever they can to say, we're going right back. We're gonna go back. We're gonna win it again. They're gonna try and pull a Denver Broncos, but mm-hmm. only with one less year in between. You know, back to back instead of back, wait, back. Um, that's what they need to do. So they have to, they have to bring Sue back.
1: Well, and the interesting thing with Nadamik and Sue is, first off, his age. He's 32 right now, and. This past year, he made $14 million base salary, um, about half a mil signing bonus, so $14.5 cap hit. So if we're going off of, let's say it's a similar deal that the Rams are able to get him, and it's a one-year deal, that might be the only way Ndamukong Sue stays. Like if the Rams are able to say, hey, we'll give you another $14 million deal, It'll only be a one-year we can get back to the Super Bowl. He might say, yes, fine, I'll stay in sunny Los Angeles. But then you look at the Rams' right now, I'm looking at SpotRack, and their cap hit right now, or their cap space, I should say, is about 32.5 just under that. So if you've got 14, if I pull up my calculator here because I am not really good at math anymore, um, that leaves you then with about eighteen just over eighteen million um to fill any other spots that you may have because Jared Goff they're gonna have to pay him in the future. They still have to pay Aaron Donald. they got that whole situation to deal with still. I feel like that is why Nadamik and Sue will probably not be a Los Angeles um ram moving forward there's one article I saw that's like, oh, he could be a New Orleans Saint. Well, when I look at the Saints and their cap space right now, right now they're at just over $9 million. I don't think that's going to be enough to get an Adamic and Sue unless he takes a pay cut. And I don't think after this past year, especially what he did in the playoffs, I don't know if he's going to take a cap hit. So that's why I look at teams like the Colts are going to be huge players because they have the most cap space coming into this free agency. Like they are going to have over 107 total cap space um, for their um, off season. The jets are going to have a lot. You're going to have the Browns that have um, the third most. And for me, I feel like it's either going to be one of three situations in my mind. He either resigns, with the Rams on a one-year deal, comes back to try to win a Super Bowl with the Rams. He either goes to the Colts or he goes to the Cleveland Browns. And I am going to be bold on top of bold. Part of me wants to say, "Hey, he signs with the Browns and the Browns get Kareem Hunt and the Dominique Sue this off season." But I'm going to double dip with the Colts. They have the most money go and get Sue, go and get Ezekiel Lanza. kind of beef up that defense, and go at it from there. Now, the Texans could also be players. There are other guys also, but that is kind of what I'm looking at is how the cap space could kind of play into the and Sue sweepstakes.
2: Sorry, I had my phone muted as I... I'm uh, still getting over a flu and coughing. Uh, But anyways, it makes sense. I mean, if you can be a team that's got the money to pair Ansa and Sue together, that's huge. I mean, that that would be insane. I mean, that's exactly following the blueprint from teams like the Chicago Bears, Mm -hmm. teams like the Los Angeles Rams, to just build that defense, make it deadly, and let people try and stop you. So, yeah, if you could do that as the Colts, that would be that'd be insane. I mean, the Browns could do it too, but I think if you're looking at a team that's got money, the Colts are the team that needs to go for that.
1: Last two, they're both in the secondary. Earl Thomas, last time we saw him, or last memory I have of him, he was on that cart flipping the bird. Who does Earl Thomas sign with, Mark?
2: I kind of want Earl Thomas to follow his buddy Richard Sherman.
1: Go to the, the 49ers? Football.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you truly are, are mad about what that organization did to you, mm-hmm. go follow uh, Richard Sherman. Do the same thing.
1: See, I'm going to be very boring with this one because when we were talking about Earl Thomas trades, um, this is a team we talked about. I think he goes to the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys look at it and go, hey, you wanted to come here. We wanted you. We couldn't get a trade with the Seahawks going on. I think they sign a, I think the Cowboys give him money, maybe like a $40 million, um over four years kind of a deal. But, like, they are players, the 49ers that you mentioned. I'm even looking here. Atlanta could even be a player for Earl Thomas. And the thing that is kind of interesting with most of these players is 29, going to be entering the 30s very soon. So how are you going to... Like, let's say that Dallas deal I threw out there, four years, 30, 31, 32. You're getting rid of him at 33, which isn't the worst, but how is he going to mature over that contract? And then the last one we'll throw out, Tyrell Williams. Who you got for Tyrell?
2: Um, I mean, on I, I hate to put it this way, but for me, Tyrell Williams is the, who still needs a wide receiver? Uh, You know, I mean, he's you got better guys, like Antonio Brown, who's going to be an option. You've got guy, a guy like Golden Tate, who's going to be an option for these teams. Tyrell Williams is not going to command the same amount of attention and money that some of these other guys will get. And then, you, of course, you have the draft as well. Uh, a place that makes sense to me, Washington Redskins. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a new quarterback, give him a weapon. Give him something to throw to. Uh, make that team a little bit better because that was something that Alex Smith was kind of missing. He was missing some more reliable targets. So there's one you can have.
1: So I don't know why I didn't have him earlier. Like just kind of looking at it. You said wide receiver and I was like, wait, what? And then I was like, oh, why didn't I have him earlier when we did the wide receivers? But mine's easy. The Cleveland Browns, unlike you, where you had one of our wide receiver free agents going to the Cleveland Browns to kind of match up with Jarvis Landry. I don't think they're going to hit with, like, an Antonio Brown. I don't think they are going to hit with a Golden Tate. I think this is perfect. They're going to get a Tyrell Williams, match him with Jarvis Landry. They bring in Kareem Hunt. They bring in Tyrell Williams. They give Baker Mayfield more and more weapons to potentially make a power move on this division, which is interesting. Bengals could be going down. Steelers could be going down. The Ravens and the Browns could be going up. But before we move on into our next topic, Mark, any final thoughts on free agency in the NFL as a whole?
2: Uh, The only other thing I got to say is franchise tags will probably change everything.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. They will. And, It'll be fun to see uh, which of these guys is like, well, they were franchise tag. So I guess it doesn't matter there. But let us know what you guys think down below. What free agents are you looking at? What do you want your team to do in free agency? Let us know what you think down below in the comment section. But, Mark, let's move on into our next topic. And what we are looking at is the AAF, the Alliance. I'm going to screw this up. The Alliance of American Football If you're joining us on YouTube, welcome into this segment. You got to also check out our whopping Hour segment that we did predicting some of the biggest free agencies or big free agents coming up this offseason. Also, make sure to check us out on iTunes, the Onside Kick, and rate and review us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. I know you guys are on iTunes. You have it. So please go ahead and rate and review the podcast. But, Mark, we're talking about the AAF You and I did not have a good weekend because it's official. You became a fan of the Memphis Express a while ago. I became a fan of the Memphis Express the day before the season started because they were the first team, much like you, they were the first team to respond to me on social media. They made me feel loved. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give you love in exchange Our express got blown out 26 to nothing. But the thing I'm going to ask you is AAF. Now that we're one week in the books, the ratings were big for it. Not like huge, but it did beat out the NBA basketball that was going on during the day on Saturday, especially that was the day that we had the first fleet versus the commanders. But the question I want to ask you with this, the AAF, does it have any standing power in your mind And how long can it last as a league or as an alliance?
2: So, yeah, the the thing I'll first say, and this isn't uh, a shot at at you necessarily, Ricky, but uh, the alliance, we can just say, call it the (laughs) alliance, uh, instead of AAF. uh, That's how they like to refer to it, uh, as the alliance. Um, And here's the thing for the alliance. It didn't matter which one of these leagues came up first, if it was the Alliance, if it was the XFL, if it was the American Canadian Football League, mm-hmm. which doesn't exist, uh, it doesn't matter what it was. Whatever came out was going to get ratings. You know, it was going to get attention. And especially because it was on CBS. And it was advertised during the Super Bowl you know, it was going to get attention. So that is a big part. Now week two, there's going to be a much bigger drop off Mm -hmm. one, because it's not going to be on CBS. Uh, It actually, I I had before something that said what channel you could watch everything on channel or app or whatever, um, because you can always watch things from their app, but I don't have it up at the moment, but anyway, it's, You know, it's not really going to be as accessible. I said to you, besides the one game on CBS, I didn't know how to watch any of the other ones.
1: And I've got them pulled up here. So next week's games, you've got the one that's going to be on actual, like, cable television will be the Stallion and the Iron. Um, That's going to be on TNT. It's a one o'clock game on Saturday. Um, the other ones, though, the night game on Saturdays on NFL Network. Actually, both night games are NFL Network. And then the early game on Sunday is CBS Sports Network. So it looks like it's going to be, hey, here's your one. It's going to be on like a CBS. It's going to be on like a TNT. And then the other ones are going to be on premium sports channels, the CBS Sports yeah. Network, which you have to pay and, extra to get or mm-hmm. NFL Network.
2: And and that's a big thing because, like I said to to you before, recorded the podcast. Mm -hmm. I used to have NFL Network when my wife and I got cable. I specifically wanted the NFL Network, Uh, and it got bumped up a tier on on Comcast. So I, even though I'm paying the same amount of money, I lost the channel. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and you know, it's not just me. A lot of people were very frustrated over that when this decision happened. But anyways, you know, so that's a situation there where it's like, I would love to watch more of these games. I'm not going to be able to. Not in this form. You know, maybe I can watch it uh, on the app because if it's not on a CBS or like a TNT, it's supposed to be on the app apparently. Mm. Uh, But anyways, my whole point is that CBS game was easy. TNT is less easy. Uh, And the app, much less easy. Even though we're all sitting here, you know, a lot of us have our smartphones out right now, our tablets, whatever. Mm-hmm. We can easily download an app right now. But that's not everybody. There are people who are not good at technology. There's people who don't have, uh, you know, smartphones. There's people who don't have all this and or just don't know what to do. And they're just going to not do it. You mm-hmm. know, uh, the other big thing was it was which one was it? Um the, the fleet are in San Diego, right? The San Diego yep, fleet.
1: San Diego fleet um, and the San Antonio commanders.
2: Uh, so the the fleet game, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it was, it was their game, but they were bragging that they had, you know, 27,000 people mm-hmm. go to their, their game. And it was like, well, yeah, it's easy to get 27,000 people to go to your game when you're selling tickets for 20 bucks. You know, and, and I'm not trying to knock the Alliance or anything. My my whole point I'm making is just that it was going to be successful week one. Mm-hmm. I remember when the XFL came out. Week one of the XFL was amazing. I don't think I watched a single other game. Um, And that's what the, AI, uh, the AAF, the Alliance, is going to be for a lot of people. Hey, I watched that first game. That was fun. That was it. You know, and, and I'm done now. And, and they're probably not going to come back for more. They might, if it was on, they might not change the channel. Mm -hmm. Probably not going to seek it out, which is not the worst thing in the world. Does anybody in the world watch minor league baseball? I mean, unless you're going to a $5 game because it's just fun and you want to bring your kids, uh, it's a lot cheaper than going to see the Cubs play in Wrigley Field. Um, Maybe not cheaper than seeing the White Sox play in Comiskey, but... uh, you know, you just go because it's just ch- cheap, fun thing for your family to do. So this can still survive on its own. I just don't know that it's going to be this super reliable alternative, uh, not necessarily alternative, but like carrying you until draft well, season and that's uh, the, that it wants to be.
1: And that's the thing that I was watching Cal Cow and Cowherd talk about it. <laughs> Um, as I was waiting for you to call in tonight, Mark, is the most important thing about this and even the XFL, since the XFL is coming back next year, both of these, the AAF and the XFL are not looking to compete with the NFL. It's not a USFL thing when Trump was there of like, we got to compete with the NFL. We got to do better. No, this is supposed to be, oh, the NFL's over all right, we are going to kind of own this kind of springtime. And like um, Colin Cowherd brought up that I kind of like the idea is once the XFL comes back, maybe they do a thing of like, oh, you have your league, you have yours, then the champions from each play each other. And they kind of... If
2: they have similar enough rules.
1: Exactly. And from from what the XFL seems is they're not going old XFL. They are going with, we are going to be a traditional... Football League. Um, yeah. But there were things, I mean, watching these games, I kind of like some stuff. Like, there were, of course, the big thing that, like, First Take wanted to talk about was the violence of the AAF. And I'll be honest, I kind of liked seeing a quarterback get blown up and his helmet popping off. And right away, I'm like, oh, well, there's a, wait, There, there's no flag? you're telling me there's no flag on that play. And I kind of liked it. It was a little refreshing. It was kind of like what we want to see. Of course, it's not like there's going to be people that are like, oh, Ricky, you like seeing concussions.
2: No, I don't like that. But Well, that's the part of the problem, too. I mean, we, we talk about the our, our team, uh, mm-hmm. the Express, where Christian Hackenberg gets taken out, uh, and then the backup quarterback gets a concussion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the— that's going to be one of my main points, and if there's, if I need to wait because there's more you want to say, I'm fine to wait to make this point. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it's going to be this talent level is not the NFL. Everybody knows that. Well, and But if players get injured, we're going to notice that very fast.
1: Mm-hmm. And probably the last thing I wanted to say, because the violence thing, it was refreshing to kind of see, like, oh, this is what I remember football being like. Um, But the one thing, like, there were aspects where I was like, whoa, that is fucking cool. And the one that blew me away was, all right, Mike Martz, he's challenging the play a picture-in-picture, where on this half, I see the refs. On the other half, I see the guy in the booth looking at the replay, and all I hear is the guy in the booth. I hear exactly what he is telling the refs, And we hear from the horse's mouth what is going on. I don't need to hear Gene Scarator tell me if it's overturned or not overturned and end up being wrong. I was watching that going, wow, that's kind of cool. You get to kind of see how the sausage is made instead of just Mm. sitting there going, well, how did they come up with that decision?
2: Yeah, which I I think that transparency is great. And and there are going to be things that happen in the alliance where the nfl might adopt it mm-hmm. and if they're smart what they'll do is they'll take this as their way to pilot something mm-hmm. to test some things out and see if it works i mean honestly that's kind of part of what's going on with uh with the kickoff too like they eliminated the kickoff i was gonna say the did NFL- you
1: like that the no kickoff just start from the i think it's the 25.
2: The NFL has been trying to get rid of the kickoff for so long, uh, and I've, I, I'm a Chicago Bears fan. I obviously want kickoffs to exist.
1: Because you like Devin because Hester. Of,
2: because of Devin Hester. <laughs> kickoffs should exist. But the NFL has ruined the kickoff to where what I say every time is just rip the Band-Aid off. I know that in five, ten years we are no longer going to have kickoffs in the NFL. So just do it. Well, just and get rid of it.
1: And kickers are now that they've moved it closer. It's like now most kickers can just kick it out of the back of the end zone.
2: Yeah, it's just the all right touchdown commercial, mm-hmm. kickoff, touchback commercial. You know, it's just a way to throw an extra commercial in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like that. Here's my here's my concern with the alliance. Okay, I look at these games, and we had we had two. More competitive games, the Stallions and the Hotshots. That was a thirty-eight to twenty-two game, mm-hmm. uh, and even though the Hotshots really went all out and took that game away in the second half, uh, and then the Fleet and the Commanders, fifteen to six, and that one was very just low score, and that's just a you know, that's your classic type of field goal kind of game, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had the Express get blown out twenty-six to nothing by the Iron. And the Legends also get blown out, uh, forty for the Apollo, six for the Legends. So, this to me, it might be a concern. And here's why: I mean, there's no preseason games, so these teams don't get a preseason. So there you was, might be able to say
1: there was one. They get one game.
2: They get one. Yeah. So they had one preseason game. So you might be able to say this is still the preseason. It's so kind of still preseason. Mm-hmm. But the other thing it kind of shows you that there's a pretty big drop-off when it comes to talent when you get out of the NFL. Mm -hmm. NFL teams are large. There are uh, 53 men on that roster, and then you add in your practice squad. You get a lot of players that are there, that are part of this organization. So when you then move away from these guys who were the people who didn't get drafted didn't get picked up, guys who got cut, Christian Hackenberg, his, o- his career is over. He's got a chance to make something happen in the Alliance. That talent level is not the same. You mm-hmm. know, It's not the same as the NFL. So, uh, you look at these teams and these players and you look at it and say, can some of these teams compete? Can they make this interesting? I would argue that I mean, sure, the Apollos blowing out the legends might be fun. Mm -hmm. You know, 40 points get put up is kind of enjoyable. 22 in the second quarter, that's pretty awesome. But for most people, 26 to nothing, not very interesting. 15 to 6, not very interesting. We just saw that in the the Super Bowl, essentially, a very low-scoring game that a lot of people were bored with.
1: But I've seen people, like there have been people on Twitter that have – about the commander's fleet game have been like, Oh wow. That was a similar score to the super bowl, but I had more fun watching it than the super bowl. Like there
2: was that collective out there, but I wonder if those people are just saying that Mm -hmm. because they want to take a shot at the NFL.
1: True. I mean, with me, it comes from, I hate that I'm going to, these words are going to come out of my mouth, but I felt like this watching that commander fleet game is I almost felt like if you're a football purist where you just love watching football, no matter what form it is, college, NFL, you're going to love the AAF and you're going to love the Alliance. Um, where I was, for me, like I tuned into that game, I DVR'd it and then was watching it the next day. And for the fleet, it was like, oh, Berkovici, It's like, oh, I remember him. He was at Arizona State. And then it's like, you see these other guys that are kind of like, and I get what everyone's saying. The names aren't there. You don't have the name recognition. Christian Hackenberg's your biggest name, and he doesn't play that well. And the talent right now, it looks like, is less than the NFL, which, let's be honest, it's supposed to be. It's supposed it's minor to be league less football. than the NFL because these are guys that are not in the NFL and are still working to develop. And the thing I wonder is, first off, let's give it a year. Let's give it a year to go. Let's give it a year to see what happens next year. You know what I would have loved to see, though? This league when Tim Tebow was around, that kind of a quarterback where it's like, hey, he is not ready for the NFL. We can see it. Let him go play in the alliance. Let him go play, be a big, like, once they get that kind of a name where it's like that kind of, even like I would say, if the alliance was around when Kellen Moore came out of, Boise state where it's like one of those college quarterbacks that obviously is not good enough to be in the NFL at this point, but can make the Alliance and develop and has that kind of cult following around them. What's Mm going to happen when they get one of those names, when they get one of them,
2: nobody's going to, nobody's going to choose the Alliance or the XFL. Over I, the
1: NFL, I mean, but if you're, what I'm saying is, but if you're not in the NFL, you're going to choose one of them. You're not, but just both gonna, those
2: guys got drafted.
1: I that's what I'm saying. Like with Tim Tebow, after the whole Bronco thing had happened, and it was like he went great to New York
2: though. Now, but but that's the problem though. Mm-hmm. None of the, none of these guys are going to willingly give up that chance. Trevor Simeon drafted in the seventh round, mm-hmm. started for the Denver Broncos. Failed, essentially. Now he's a backup, I think, still on Minnesota. He still is not going to leave and go play for the Alliance. He will be a backup. He'll be a third string or a practice squad player as long as he can.
1: And I'm not saying they're going to choose the Alliance over the NFL. I'm saying, like, Tim Tebow before he chose baseball. That is what I'm saying, where it's like no NFL team wants you, get and they get one of those guys that in NFL team, I not think that those them, guys, the alliance will take them.
2: Any guy who has any type of brand name to him mm-hmm. is going to still. Tim Tebow's a rare exception because Tim Tebow's Tim Tebow had a cult following for a very different reason than his football mm-hmm. playing ability, and I would argue <laughs> that the alliance Tim Tebow, even on an alliance team, good chance he's not even starting. He is n- not a good football quarterback, uh, except for college football, which is very different. Mm-hmm. I mean, an Alliance team could beat a college team, unless it's like Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just don't think we'll ever actually see it. And for the Alliance, you know, these alternative NFL, or I should say alternative football leagues, their history is not great. They don't last very long. What the Alliance needs to survive is to truly be embraced by the NFL.
1: Well, and there's that, but there's another point that, and I'm taking this from Colin Cowherd is he said, the sports landscape right now is very, very different where nowadays sports betting is kind of, it's not frowned upon anymore. Like back then, it was frowned upon, like, oh, you bet on sports? That's not a good thing. Now it's like it's becoming legal. It's, you can bet on all these different sports. That could help it as well. Now, yes, it needs to be embraced by the NFL and by it not competing with the NFL. I think it's going to help it tenfold because the biggest problem, like with the XFL, its biggest problem was it was just a gimmick. Like, yeah, it was cool. Like you said, it was cool that first week. I remember I watched it the first week and kind of the other weeks, but then I started to kind of just trickle off because it was like, oh, okay. It's like watching wrestling, but with footballs. Plus, if you watch that championship game from that year, wow, was that not a good game to go back and watch. I feel like the Alliance is going to be good. I think it is going to last. I just think we all just got to take a page out of Aaron Rodgers' book. Just relax, people. Relax. It was just the first week. Let's see how this first year of the Alliance kind of takes fold, and then what changes they make heading into year number two and what they kind of tweak with it.
2: Yeah, and I think my final thought on it is just that it's just the expectation. I, I don't think anybody should go in here expecting this to be, a nfl week 17 18 19 you know you shouldn't expect mm-hmm. 10 more weeks at the nfl and you honestly also shouldn't expect that you're gonna see very many of these games because mm-hmm. you probably won't uh and honestly you can go around and ask people hey you're gonna watch alliance football this year with the exception of this year where people were willing to check it out the answer is probably gonna be no for most people but that's okay Because this this should be more compared to minor league baseball. Mm -hmm. Something you go to physically, not something you watch on TV.
1: Here's the thing I want to ask you to kind of close out. And this is kind of a, oh, how do I want to phrase this? This might be getting ahead of ourselves, but I saw it on Twitter, and I think it's a fun question. Let's say it does well and it sticks around. And eventually, not saying after this year, but eventually – They expand. I saw something that, oh, the AAF could possibly expand to four more cities, two on each side. Give me one city, one, that you think if we ever get to a point of an AAF expansion needs an alliance team.
2: So I'm going to give you one, uh, a nice Midwest city um, that deserves it. And it's not the obvious one. People Mm -hmm. are going to say St. Louis is an obvious one. Uh, a lot course, of
1: people are like, when's an Alliance team coming to St. Louis?
2: My one that I want to give a team to, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan.
1: Hmm. Interesting, it's, it's because a, would
2: it be nice too cold? Small market. It's a nice small market. I'm sorry. It's a nice small market.
0: mm
2: mm-hmm. um, It's a team that, or, I mean, it's a location where they've got a college, so they're a bit of a college town, too. Mm-hmm. It's very accessible. It would be a great location.
1: I'm interested because the thing that I would think about is besides Salt Lake, like you've got San Diego, San Antonio, Memphis kind of falls into that, but kind of is a little South Birmingham in the South, Arizona in the heated West. You've got um, the Apollos, which are in Florida. Atlanta is kind of um, warm in itself where – They're they're, right now, like, hey, we're going to be in spots that are not going to be threatened by winter. But, like, if you have a, like, San Antonio, they're in the Alamo Dome. They were in a dome. So if you're in a dome, Grand Rapids could work. I didn't even think about it. I think mine's the obvious, Louisville. Louisville, Kentucky, and an alliance team would fit great. Like, Kentucky is just one of those where they've got the Cardinal, they've got... Um, the Wildcats, and they love their college football. Don't really have that pro team. Give them an Alliance team. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in the comment section. First off, did you watch the Alliance? What did you think? What things did you like? What didn't you like? And how long do you think it is going to last? Let us know what you think down below in the comment section. But, Mark, let's end the podcast kind of looking at the biggest news of the day. But we had free agency that we had to get to. We had to talk about the AAF kind of in the middle to break it up. But Kareem hunt signed by a team. And that team is the Cleveland Browns Kareem hunt running back Cleveland Browns kind of let that soak in a little bit. And the question I'm going to ask you actually, before I ask you, I'm going to throw this out to you guys. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. I'm at Ricky Whitmer. Mark is at the with two e's. Mark Weber. Let me throw this out to you, Mark. This question: Now that Kareem Hunt is on the Browns, does this make Cleveland a more of a contender in, let's just say, the AFC North? Does it make them a contender in their division?
2: I mean, I would say. Of course it does because they already were not really far from being a contender. True. Um, I mean, you know, they were seven, eight, and one. Pittsburgh was nine, six, and one. Uh, that that's the tie right there. And then Baltimore was ten and six. So, and the thing for Baltimore you got to remember is they had a quarterback change mm-hmm. mid year, and that change was to a uh, more of a mobile quarterback. That's mobile quarterbacks that do really well at first. Till defenses catch up. So it's going to be a very different looking Baltimore team. Pittsburgh's going to be very different looking because they're going to lose Le'Veon Bell. They might, although I don't really think so, but they might also lose Antonio Bell. I'm sorry, Antonio Brown. Um, and Cleveland also changed their coach in the middle of the year. So you give, you know, you give them a chance to win uh, some of those games that maybe they didn't lose or they didn't win. Maybe instead of tying with the Steelers in week one, maybe they could have done something else. Anyways, yes. The answer is yes. I mean, Kareem Hunt uh is a very good, talented player. Um, the question of should he be re-signed in the league? Uh, does the league actually care about domestic violence at all when they're willing to allow someone to re-sign someone currently suspended for the video of him, you know, committing domestic violence mm-hmm. um these are very real questions that are very valid questions that a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on um with that being said i i think it's interesting that uh the nfl is okay with kareem hunt uh being signed to to any teams but anyways just talent wise you know missing let's say he misses four games Mm-hmm. Still, those remaining 12 games that he's there, he makes the Browns better. He adds something. They already have a lot of good weapons. Uh, They've already got Nick Chubb as one of their running backs, who I I think is a great running back. Almost a 1,000-yard rusher last year. Uh, This will be a great addition for the team, just talent-wise.
1: And the thing that I think about is... First off, what you said of there is probably going to be some type of suspension um, or some type of discipline to be handed down from the league. And the first thing people want to say is how can Kareem Hunt be signed and Ray Rice was not? Folks, this is a prime example of if you're still worthy in the NFL, like basically you're still young enough. You're going to get a team like Ray Rice was getting old. Like
2: I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with what you're saying anymore. Well, uh, but I'll let you finish. The, well, the thing
1: I'm going with, and I'm
2: not agreeing with it,
1: is Kareem Hunt still has value as a player more so than what Ray Rice did. So of course, I, a team like Cleveland is going to sign him. Mm-hmm. Now, do I agree with the sign? Like, do I agree with what he did? And basically, on that side of it, no. And there's part of me that goes, I don't even know how you justify this, but if I'm the league, if you really want to send a message and it would kind of screw over the Browns by doing this, if the league just said, oh, you signed him to a one-year deal, well, guess what? He's suspended for 16 games. Have fun.
2: Well, it wouldn't matter. They wouldn't have to pay him because he wouldn't be playing. Uh, But but they wouldn't get him. I don't think this has anything – which puts them in the exact same situation. So they're not going to screw it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think this has nothing to do with value. Ray Rice still had value to the organization. He was a part of Adrian Peterson still had value to the organization. He was a part of and Adrian Peterson is back. So he proved that he still has value. Uh, And, you know, we don't need to have a conversation about Colin Kaepernick because that Mm -hmm. goes in many different directions, especially for those listening to the podcast who have very strong opinions on him.
1: The bottom line is Colin Kaepernick has value too.
2: Exactly. He does have value to certain teams that would take him. What it does tell you is this is desensitization. We've seen Ray Rice drag a woman across the floor. We saw pictures of Adrian Peterson and what he did to his son. Mm-hmm. We now have picture or a video of what Kareem Hunt did to a woman, but you know what? It didn't look as bad as dragging a woman across the floor by her hair. It didn't look as bad as what you did to a child. And unfortunately, that is the way that people are are viewing it. Well, and that's the way that people look at it. They say, "I've already seen it, so I'm okay with it." And the one- I mean, it's essentially a different form of gaslighting. In the way that you are just lowering the collective NFL's defenses. And- I mean, remember the huge outpour of people who hated Michael Vick mm-hmm. for what he did to animals, to dogs. Uh, and you know what? We kind of forgot about it. Ray Rice, you kind of forget about it. You just kind of forget, and that bar gets lower and lower each time because mm-hmm. you've already seen something bad. So now you're not that upset about it.
1: Well, and I OK, there's a part of which me, is not
2: right for anybody that's out there saying I'm condoning it. No, and I'm I'm saying that as an issue.
1: Yeah. And what you're saying is basically Ray Rice was the first, it's always the first one is kind of like the I don't want to use the word martyr, but kind of like they get the, they're made the example of like we need to punish him. You're the first. We're going to come down on you hard, hopefully. So it never happens again. Um, And then everything else after that is kind of we get desensitized to it towards never as hard as that first punishment that gets laid out. I do kind of agree with you in some sense, but I also I do believe that it goes down to what can you bring to the franchise? And the running back is a weird position. Like, it's an interesting position where once you hit 30, people start going, hmm, Okay, there's a cliff you're going to hit. Ray Rice, I mean, it was really the Ravens had a decision of, yes, you're good, but are you is your talent worth the public hit that we would take? No. The Vikings, Adrian Peterson, you are good, but is your ability worth the hit that we would take? Like, look at Adrian Peterson. You bring him up. Who did he get signed with? The team that doesn't, to me, doesn't give a crap. Like, the Redskins, they are a team that basically for an entire year, we were like, hey, dude, your logo's racist, and Dan Snyder went, nah, whatever. Um, So, I mean, there's that to it. and You can even say that in this situation. Who is signing Kareem Hunt? GM John Dorsey. And he's a guy who won. He was with the Chiefs when... Kareem Hunt was drafted by them and picked up. So, A, he has that connection of like, ooh, I kind of scouted him, or not scouted, but his scouts did. I was the one that kind of drafted him, so I kind of feel like that connection. I know he's a good player because I liked him when I was with Kansas City. But then also, you look at Dorsey, he is also a guy where, look at the moves he has made. Josh Gordon, when many people were like, Why is Josh Gordon still in the league? He has a problem. He needs help. Dorsey was like, hey, we're going to be there for Josh. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was a guy where you either loved him or you hated him. And I think that's, like you have mentioned on the podcast, Mark, that's becoming even more so, where you either love Baker Mayfield or you hate him. He had a ton of questions, the planting the flag, the flipping the other players off on a game, the running from the cops um, when he was drunk, Dorsey still went ahead and drafted him because he was like, hey, this guy's our quarterback. This guy can help our team. This is just another example of Dorsey saying, hey, I know what Kareem did was wrong. I know it's rough, but I have taken risks on guys before, and I am going to take another risk on a guy that I know because, like, Kareem Hunt, like you said, even if he's suspended for four games, it's kind of like what Tom Brady was to the Patriots. Tom Brady missed four games. The Patriots were fine. The Browns will miss Kareem Hunt for four. I'm going to use the four-game kind of sample. They miss him for that. Ooh, they're the same Browns team as they were last year. And then they add Kareem Hunt. They add that weapon And the thing I like about the football move to kind of get more to that side of it is Brandon on Twitter. First thing I saw from him, I get it. He's upset. He's got Nick Chubb on his fantasy team. Boo-hoo. Brandon, you took a hit. I had Mark Ingram on my fantasy team, so we all got to deal with it. Um, But basically, this is like an Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram situation where you have you're now Kareem Hunt, who is kind of the speedy back, Alvin Kamara style, who can be your receiver in the backfield. And then you have your Nick Chubb, who is more of your power back, a la Mark Ingram, like the Saints. This is exactly, in my mind, the first thing I thought of that the Browns are going to go to now that they have Hunt and Chubb in that backfield. The only question, and I'll ask you this, is Can Freddie Kitchens put it all together? I know that it was solid when he was the offensive coordinator after Hugh got fired. But once you're the head coach, you got to focus on more things that you didn't when Greg Williams was there. Is Freddie Kitchens going to be the guy to do the head coaching duties, but also run the offense like he was last year?
2: Yeah, there's certainly a lot that that goes into that. Um, And he might. I mean, it's hard to say until we see it, Mm -hmm. is really what it comes down to. Um, You know, there's a lot of expectations for for the Cleveland Browns, and, you know, it's a team that historically hasn't always done the best when there were these expectations there. So we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens when people have a whole year tape on Baker Mayfield. We see quarterbacks go through a sophomore slump all the time. uh, Or, you know really come on early in their career and then the rest of it's just average. So there's a lot of that potential out there. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Kareem Hunt can certainly be very useful. I mean, there's the also other added benefit of running back is one of the positions more so than anybody else where your carries matter, Mm -hmm. you know, the amount of touches you had, the amount of hits you take, that really matters. So, it actually can be seen as kind of a benefit to miss out on four games Mm -hmm. because then your season is not 16 games. Your season's only 12. That actually can help you. That can keep you healthier. Mm -hmm. By the time you've played a full season, congrats. You're in the Super Bowl. You know, like it just gives you the ability to stay fresher for longer. Um, And then to, of course – end up helping out Nick Chubb when you can take some of those carries away from him uh, and then reduce his workload. So it can certainly be useful. It certainly can be helpful. Uh, We definitely got to see what happens with this Cleveland Browns team once teams have had more time to prepare for them, Mm -hmm. uh, more time to learn from them and to really uh, see what's going to happen with them. I mean, there's a whole, like I said, a whole uh, almost three quarters of tape out there for for you to watch from the Cleveland Browns season last year, so it'll be really interesting, that's for sure. Because I think it was Baker that said it, not Lamar uh, Jackson that said it, but he said that this division is going to be him and Lamar from now on. Uh, Sounds like a Baker that, thing to say. Yeah, that that totally could be true. It's totally possible. Uh, we got to kind of wait and see on these two guys, because they're both very talented quarterbacks. Um And these teams are both, I mean, the, the Fel are not the Falcons. The, uh the Ravens are already kind of there, you know, I mean, they're the division winners, Uh but the Browns are this up and coming team at the end of two teams have fallen off a bit Uh or in the Steelers case are kind of in the process of falling off. So it's totally possible that they could be these next two teams. Um It's just, they got to hold it together. And, and the new head coach has a very important job of keeping everything together. Cause that's the other part with a guy like Kareem hunt. You might have some people in that locker room who are going to have strong opinions about him when he walks in there day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got to mitigate that too. You got to get everybody on the same side. You got to get everybody. Even if they don't like each other, they got to play together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's some value to that. um, to actually be able to
1: manage that. Well, I mean, and that's interesting because I, I think about that and I think about like when I was watching one of the Pat McAfee shows, he had mentioned his later time in Indy when he was an older, like veteran, he would say that his role was kind of like almost like a glue guy, like to make sure that everyone was like that the locker room was chill and that it was like a good atmosphere to be in And you look at the Browns. They're a young team. We even saw from Hard Knocks, they're a young team. But also, like you look at your veterans, and Terod's not going to be there. He's going to be somewhere else where he was probably, in my mind on Hard Knocks, the best veteran um, for that whole Browns team. But now what? Your best veteran on offense or your highest veteran on offense is Jarvis Landry, who... Let's be honest, Jarvis with his outbreaks or his passionate speeches on uh, what we saw on Hard Knocks could tiptoe the line a little bit. Like, yes, it's passionate, but it's not as what's the word I'm looking for, like not coddled.
2: It wasn't obviously actually motivating. It wasn't people actually were just kind of like. Uh, can you sit down and shut up? I don't even understand what you're saying.
1: Yeah, um, whereas...
2: And it's also the part two of, at that point at least, I don't think anybody viewed him as a team leader. Mm-hmm. But he was now, kind of an outside person.
1: But now he, after being on the Browns for a full year, I would say that he's one of their senior veterans. Would he not be?
2: By default, yeah, he
1: has. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Baker, yeah, Baker's a like a Brown just as long as he been, but Baker's entering his sophomore year. And the thing that's interesting about the division is we've talked about it. The Bengals will probably be at the bottom. I'm sorry, Bengals, but like I'm reading articles that the Bengals might move on from Andy Dalton. So, I mean, that's the kind of issue you're dealing with moving out of the Marvin Lewis era. The Steelers have all their dysfunction. Bell's not going to be there. Brown wants out. How's that team going to look without – either of them and then you've got the Ravens who are a 10 win team Lamar Jackson, but let's see what happens when more teams um, get film on them. like I mentioned to Brandon on the primetime podcast. you look at the Chargers and besides them blowing that lead, they had figured out Lamar Jackson. They had figured out that Ravens pass offense, that offense in general to where they couldn't do anything in the first half and why the Chargers got a big lead. And then the Chargers just kind of took their foot off the gas and blew it. I want to ask you kind of moving more so from the division. Yeah. It's Baker said that it's going to be the Ravens and the Browns going forward. Does Kareem hunt make the Browns a playoff contender and a serious playoff contender? Like I'm saying win some playoff games and could make some noise in the AFC playoffs.
2: Well, I mean, they were only really two games behind getting in the playoffs this year. So the question becomes, you know, does Kareem Hunt give them the chance to win two games?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and I would say, yeah, I mean, he Kareem Hunt, you know, will get them enough weapons, enough firepower to probably have won some of these close games because he is that game changer. You know, he is that guy who will have that explosive play. Uh, who will make things happen. Uh Essentially when you're a team that's not going to forget that he exists. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I think he definitely can. As long as the coaching is there, because, I mean, players are great, but the coaching's got to be there too. Uh and, and as long as the coaching is there and they're calling the right plays and they're making the adjustments when they need to, they're doing everything they need to do, then yes, then he can definitely do it. Uh And can they become a team that, you know, is competing in the playoffs. That one I think is still up in the air because I mean we've we mentioned this I think last week too. Tom Brady's still there. Patrick Mahomes is out there. Jacksonville's gonna be back next year with a better quarterback probably. And Jacksonville with a better quarterback is a better team than pretty much every other team. Mm-hmm. Uh the Colts with some more weapons, they are a Super Bowl contender if they're not already basically a Super Bowl contender. So there's a lot of other teams out there. uh, And that's not even without mentioning, of course, the the Falcons. I keep saying the Falcons. uh, The Ravens, who are in your division. And then you got the Chargers, too. So there's a lot of teams out there that were already there and are already kind of in a better spot than you are. So can they win some games? Sure they can in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but it becomes a little tougher because they're not a whole step ahead of any of these other playoff teams yet, and I don't think that Kareem Hunt really puts them a step ahead of anybody. I think it puts them at the same spot mm-hmm. or pulling ahead of a team like the uh, the Colts or pulling ahead of a team like the Ravens, uh, but not necessarily actually fully ahead yet. Based off of last year,
1: I can tell you what the Browns' record this year is going to be. Um, and the reason why I'm going to do this and I'm going to go through it is you look at last year, all of, the, all of their wins, Jets, Ravens, Falcons, Bengals, Panthers, Broncos, Bengals, all but one, not a playoff team. Um, you look at their losses, New Orleans, Oakland which let's be honest, Oakland should have been a win they kind of got screwed in overtime. Um the Chargers, Tampa Bay overtime game, Tampa Bay played a really good one could have been flipped to a win. There's reasons why I'm saying that too. Um Steelers, Chiefs, Texans, Ravens. All but the two I mean the Steelers too, but all but like the Steelers, Bucks and Raiders. Non-playoff teams. All the others were playoff teams, and they lost to them. Looking at their 2019 opponents, if I kind of use the same model for last year, sweep the Bengals, split against the Ravens, I'll give you a split against the Steelers because of that tie. Now you get Kareem Hunt. Okay, that can flip to a win. So right now you're looking at two, three, four wins just from the division. Then you play the AFC East. You get three wins there. So now you're at seven. Patriots are your only loss. Um, So you're seven and three um, right now. Then you look at the NFC division they're playing, the NFC West. Loss against the Rams, loss against the Seahawks. 49ers will be interesting. Um, With Jimmy Garoppolo coming back, that could be an interesting one win against the Cardinals. So I'll give you one win for sure. I might add a win against the 49ers. Let me think about it. So you're at eight right now. Then your two additional games that you have to play are the Broncos, which chalked that up as a win because they were not a playoff team last year. Um, You're at nine now. And then Tennessee, which I will give you a win because they weren't a playoff team, but they were a team that really, they played for the playoffs the last week of the regular season and lost that game. You're at 10, you're at 10 right there based off of that. So this could be a Browns team that makes the playoffs at 10 and six at worst. If let's say like I flipped that Texan game to a loss, this is a team that expect them to be 9-7, and 10-6 with Kareem Hunt. And that's just going off of last year. Kareem Hunt being added, do they start beating playoff teams now? That is the most important thing that the Browns have to do this year. They have to beat playoff teams. They have to maybe beat a Seahawks team. They maybe have to steal one against a 49er team, against a Titan team. They need to beat these teams that were playoff teams last year. They need to maybe steal a game against the Rams, because I also didn't go through home and away. The Rams will be in Cleveland, so that'll be interesting. The Seahawks, they're playing that one in Cleveland, not Seattle. How's that going to play into it? I mean, New England, they're going to lose that one, but they're playing that one in New England you gotta step up. You want to be a playoff team, basically, is what I'm saying. You gotta beat those playoff teams. That's the bottom line of it. Do you have any final thoughts, Mark, about Kareem Hunt
2: signing or about the
1: Browns in general? Well,
2: I not mean, necessarily. I mean, you know, this was a seven-eight and one team. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people are saying they probably should have beat the Steelers in that tie game. Unless the Steelers fan, uh, which would have made them an eight-eight eight team, it's not unbelievable that two years ago one of the top really top three running backs in the nfl would make this team win one or two more games Mm -hmm. that shouldn't surprise anybody well let's Um, be honest
1: like i said the raiders and bucks could have easily been wins as well so if they did that with the steelers they're a 10-win team
2: yeah so you know it shouldn't surprise anybody that they will things change any given sunday all that good stuff and the thing that we're ignoring and this is that we still have free agency, of course, because mm-hmm. we haven't gotten there. We still have the draft. So, other of these teams that are bad, you know, are obviously going to be better and all that type of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't surprise anybody that the Cleveland Browns suddenly can look like a playoff team uh, with the addition of a very talented player.
1: Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. We unpacked a lot in this one. First off, you've got the it's going to come up. The Kareem Hunt signing, what do you think of it in the first place? Then what do you think about it from a football standpoint? How much does it help the Browns? Is it going to, like what Mark and I said, if he's suspended four games, how is that going to affect the Browns, if anything? Because also, in that case, it just depends on which opponents you're seeing in those four games. If they see non-playoff opponents in those games, games that they can win, then that suspension probably won't hurt him, but let us know what you guys think. Um, also, make sure to hit us up on Patreon.com backslash Most Podcast. We're going to have Shane on. Um, Pat also wants to come on. We'll probably have both of them on later this month after the mock draft. I know Pat wants to talk about Dabersh, um, so Mark will really enjoy that one. I know Shane wants to come back on and talk about his Colts also make sure to follow us on Twitter at most fellow pod at Ricky Widmer, at the Mark Weber with two E's and rate and review the onside kick on iTunes and Apple podcasts. want to thank you guys for watching me this week on YouTube um, as I kind of put the hand out of the frame. Um, and thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. But as always, have a good day, everybody.
2: Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast.